instead of blaming everything on everyone else, realize that you were endowed with talents. They may not be the same talents I have. They may not be the same talents someone else has or someone else you, you love. But instead of worrying about them, start digging in deep, start rejecting the notion that to do so is selfishness, realize that what you're doing now is true selfishness, and look and unlock the talents you were given and find out how you can put one foot in front of the other starting today to start unleashing those talents to be the best that you can be, but also to be the best that the world deserves from you. And that is a totally different mindset and teaching than you hear in churches, from politicians, from schools, from most parents, because it's uplifting. It doesn't start with the notion that you are unworthy, that you are an evil sinner, and you have to spend the rest of your life in guilt trying to fight your way out. <laughs> you know, because that, that notion doesn't help anyone, quite honestly. Well, I know who it helps, and it's not the people who really want to get where they're going. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 676. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the Positive Productivity Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and I can't even tell you how excited I am about today's conversation. Our guest today is the author of Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle, How to Escape Your Comfort Zone of Misery, Kurt Mercadante. Oh my gosh, listeners, I got the name right on the first try. <laughs> Kurt, that's a win for me, and it's still early in the day, so I know it's going to be a great day. Well, Kim, it's a pleasure to be here, and don't feel bad because I've actually misspelled my name before on like a mm -hmm. guest register. When I was younger, my mom said, what are you doing? And it was my brother's wedding, which made it even all the more Wait, interesting. You... <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, my mother still has to ask me how to spell my first name, and she's the one who named me. <laughs> and I've never really talked about this. My maiden name was Buckley, and I don't go by my full first name, Kimberly, except for on my license and if a credit card requires it. So she constantly forgets if Kimberly has L-E-Y like Buckley does. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. No, it well, doesn't. For anybody There's, who's interested. Pretty soon we won't have to worry about names. My daughter was just informed that here at the College of Charleston, apparently in many classes, they call your last name your quote dead name because you did not choose it. It was given to you by your father and somehow that was a form of, you know, keeping you down in the world. So they call it your dead name. So who knows? We we may not have names pretty soon. <laughs> it's just I don't know if this is the appropriate, well, it's appropriate for me. That almost feels sickening to me because there is so much out of family. And, right. and I do understand that family changes as we get older. I mean, our family looks different. We adopt, I'm, for lack of a better word, people to become part of our family as we grow up and we forge new relationships. I have friends who I consider better family members than blood people. Yeah. But still, it's my upbringing that, well, I guess there's also the debate about adoption. Oh, well, we're not going to get there. But you are, <laughs> you're, you're an international speaker, a trainer, a disruptive entrepreneur. And then as I already said, the author of Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle, you already know all this. But I'm, I'm so intrigued by the Freedom Lifestyle. Our listeners here have heard my struggle because I was saying yes so much to everybody else. I had a period in 2016 where I suffered such bad burnout that I was ready to end everything, including my life, just because I was so tired and so frustrated with chasing everybody else's successes instead of my own. So I'm just going to jump to the book, if you don't mind. Yeah. How did it come to be? What was the journey that brought you there? Yeah. So I built a, so I've built three profitable businesses. They've all done six figures in year one, including a financially successful public relations and ad agency. And I built that over the span of 13 years. Fast forward to the end when I shut it down, I woke up one morning and said, I'm done. I looked at my wife and I said, I'm done. And a lot of people say, well, why didn't you get it ready to sell? And my response is, well, that would have been great, except 
I was in denial that I hated the company. I hated my lifestyle. I did not have freedom. I did not have fulfillment. I woke up every day with anxiety. I was 50 pounds heavier than I am now. There was one day where my wife walked into the bedroom, the lights were off, and I was rocking back and forth on my bed. I had massive stomach pain so bad, I felt like an alien was going to come out. And I asked her, we had two kids at the time, to get the kids out of the house because I couldn't stand the sound of their voice. And yet, I kept going on. Because like you, I had said yes to what I thought I was supposed to do, which was the money. Oh, I'm the man. That's my responsibility. You know, whatever I have to feel in terms of fulfillment, man, I feel guilty about that because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, I think guilt should be one of, if not the, the most dangerous of the deadly sins because we're raised with guilt. We're raised from birth to be programmed. Sometimes it's from the pulpit, right? We learn this in our churches. Sometimes it's from our parents. Sometimes it's from Hollywood that we are born unworthy and we have to spend the rest of our lives beating ourselves up and going through that struggle just to make ourselves worthy. And what that leads to is low self-esteem. Low self-esteem translates into what? Guilt. Because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Man, I'm struggling. I'm making money, but I don't feel like I'm doing what I was put on this earth to do. So you know what? I'm guilty because I'm going against the programming that's been beat into my head and embedded inside of me since I was one years old. Can I ask, did you have resentment too? Did I have resentment? Probably. You know, I resented my clients for making me feel that way. Uh I resented myself. You know, you can't truly love other people, friends, family, whatever, other humans, the human race, Uh until you love yourself. Right. And I had resentment to myself because I didn't truly know what my truth was and who I was. And so if you don't know that, you simply can't be in healthy relationships with anyone else. But you know what? You go back, I go back to that word guilt. When I bring that up and people, people look at self-awareness as selfishness because they don't have that. That's what they were born with. We were born sorry sinners. We were born unworthy and we have to spend our entire life just struggling and, and trying to make our way to be worthy. And that leads to self-hate. It leads to guilt, which can lead to envy, which can lead to resentment with ourselves and with others around us. And that's just not a healthy way to live at all. And so, yeah. And because of that, you put up with it, right? You think that's what you're supposed to do. And so you put up with the prescription drugs, you put up with the weight gain, you put up with the pain, you put up with the fact that you're going to lose your wife and lose your kids because it's the programming. And that programming It's, you know, on any given day, scientists say that 95% of what we do in a day is our subconscious. You walk down the street, you breathe, your heart beats. You're not telling it to do that. It just happens. 5% is your conscious. Your conscious is like, you know, a lot of people think the key to success is like, I'm going to get motivated. I'm going to have willpower. Oh, I'm going to do that. Well, that's your conscious. And the reason it's so tough is because you're fighting against the other 95%. It's it's the subconscious. And so if you've learned to, I just had a blog post on this. You know, there's people who watch Shark Tank. And they're like, those people just have too much money. Those fat cats and no one should have that much money. The words that are coming out of their mouth That's the programming that they've had from teachers, from Hollywood, from politicians, from their churches, whatever it is. And I can guarantee those people, because of the relationship and the mindset they have about money, will never be wealthy unless they win the lottery. And if they win the lottery, they're going to be one of those many, many, many people who have a poverty mindset, a scarcity mindset, who win $10 million and lose it almost just as quickly, because that's what they're programmed to do. Oh my gosh, I am absolutely loving this because, well, I'm going to start with the lottery and work backwards. There were city workers, one town north of me, and I'm in rural suburban Ohio. Okay. I mean, there's cornfields less than a mile away from me. I mean, a tenth of a mile. And there's a lot of blue collars. And the city workers all pulled in and they won like $100 million. Yeah. There was one family out of all of them who hired a financial advisor yeah, and still has money. 
and the rest right. are in worse financial situation than they were when they won. But going back, and I don't want to, at the risk of going political, the cough was not intentional, but it was properly placed. <laughs> I get so frustrated. I mean, we're recording this in an election year, depending on where you when you listen, it could be four years out. So I'm just going to leave it like that. But I get so tired of hearing people say that the the wealthy need to pay more and they need to do more when I feel that the people who are saying that are not wealthy and they are in the scarcity mindset. So they don't see the opportunity, but they also don't see the work that it took on the back end to get there. Right. No. When, uh, when yeah. I have that seven figure year, let me just be honest. When I have that six figure year, because I have not yet had one, please Lord, let it be this year. <laughs> you know, I know that I will know what it took to get there, but it's not just working hard. I've been working hard on my business for seven years, but it was also working right. And right does not mean burning myself or like running myself into the ground. I tried that. That's the surefire way to go broke. You know, in my opinion, there's a few things there that I'd love to unpack. The, the, the first is politics, you know, a big part of my agency and, and even before my agency was in the political realm. I now am not a member of any party. I will not vote for anyone in the major parties because right now, both major parties, in my humble opinion, reflect scarcity. It's about us versus them. Now, the us to either party is different and the them is different depending on which party it is. And I won't get into specifics, Mm -hmm. but in many cases, the them is the evil wealthy. Now, I always find it funny that the wealthy are bad, right? And yet, it's always it's always convenient how someone will make a speech. And by the way, not just politicians, but religious leaders yes. will make a speech designed to make you feel so guilty about the free market and entrepreneurship and the evil wealthy and all of that. And then right following the speech, what are they going to do? They're going to they're gonna pass the hat. Oh, yep. it's $10,000 if you want to get a seat at the debate. You go and raise your money. Oh, I made $6 million writing a book, but that's different. That's different. I'm not one of those other wealthy or certain religious leaders. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up Catholic. So did I. It's interesting how the Pope will get. And, and listen, I grew up Catholic. I have given tens of thousands of dollars to the Catholic Church. But the Pope will give an anti-market speech about capitalism is so bad. He is silent <laughs> on a number of other things going on within the church. He's silent about Venezuela, which, by the way, is socialist and they have bread lines. People are being jailed. Silent about that. But we should feel guilty about capitalism. Oh, and by the way, totally separate topic. University of Notre Dame costs 50 grand a year. My high school that I went to costs 13 grand a year. That ain't the poor people being served there. Right. That ain't the poor people giving it in. So make people feel guilty, then pass the hat is always very interesting. But when you demonize wealthy people, it's often because your parents demonized wealthy people. It's because I just interviewed awesome individual, best-selling author named Randy Gage, and he talks about prosperity. And he lists all these Hollywood movies focusing on Titanic, said that's the most evil movie there is because at every layer in that movie is embedded that the rich and the wealthy are bad. Mm-hmm. You know, he talks about the fact in movies, you never become rich to be the good guy or the good woman. You got to be rich and then quit your job to be the good guy. And that's embedded in, heck, the Muppets, right? Oh, the Muppets are at risk of having their theater bought by the evil oil baron. You know, it's a wonderful life. Mr. Potter, he's evil. Everyone is evil. My goodness, yes, there are Bernie Madoffs in the world. There are bad business people. But those same people put their faith in the angels of bureaucracy and government. Now, again, I don't want to get too political, but it's all about, it's all part of our programming. You'll ignore Flint, Michigan. You'll ignore daily headlines, sometimes five a day in a place like Cook County or Chicago, where I grew up working in politics. You'll ignore all that. Those are all good people. Let's give them more power and let's take power away from the the true heroes, the entrepreneurs, the people who are creating jobs, who are creating wealth, who are moving us forward. And it's programming that is so dangerous, that is so detrimental to human progress. And it's also, as you've learned, and as I learned, it's corrosive to us as individuals because we grow up living with that guilt. 
which forces us to, as you say, say yes to things that aren't in our best interest. Because if we don't say yes, oh my gosh, I may never have an opportunity again. And if I don't have an opportunity again, then I'm risking everything for my family. And then I feel guilty and oh my gosh. And then it leads to all these thoughts and the fear of missing out and all that. And what you do is you end up chasing your tail. You end up wasting time. You end up saying yes to things that aren't awesome. You say yes to the mediocre or less. And so then you can't truly get in that zone where you're moving it forward. Now, one other thing I want to unpack there is you said, you know, oh gosh, I pray to God, hope to God that I'll get there this year. And I have to say, I kicked myself in the butt afterwards, Yeah, but I want to hear what you say and then I'll explain why I kicked myself in the butt. There's a difference between faith and belief and faith will say, oh my gosh, help me get there. Please help me get there. That's a difference because you don't truly believe my father passed away in 2012, which was really a catalyst for me saying enough is enough. Uh-huh. Still, still took four years for <laughs> it's changing it over the guilt and the worry. But I recently talked to my mom about it. And, you know, we were talking about religion and she went away from, from the church for a while and even from God because she had prayed and God didn't answer my prayers. You see, that's kind of what people see as faith. And I don't truly believe it's going to happen, but I got to throw out that prayer out there in the hope that it works. Yeah. That's not truly belief. Belief is knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have a clear vision and I'm marinating in my vision. And I say, yeah, that's going to happen. And every day I get up a couple hours before everyone else and I meditate on my vision. Mm -hmm. I don't think about what happened yesterday. Maybe as a learning experience, but I don't marinate in the past and the emotions of the past. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am going to get there. And you actually make your future, your present, like you've already been there. Yep. And I have to kick myself from saying things, oh, God willing, I'll get there. God willing. Well, God's given you everything you need to succeed. And true belief in God, and some people listening may not believe in God. True belief in God is he's given me the tools. I'm the ultimate creator here in the quantum universe. I have the belief that I'm going to do it. That's true faith. That's true belief rather than hope and wish. And it's a constant struggle. It's that, that, that to me, getting to that point is the hard work. There's a story that I heard and I can see how it reflects into the work that I do every single day. There's a story about a parable about a guy in a flood who's on a roof and he prays to God for help and a inflatable raft goes by and ask him if he wants help. And he says, no, God's sending something. And then somebody on a jet ski goes by and says the same thing. And he says, no. And then somebody on a canoe, same thing. And then he yells at God, why aren't you helping me? And he's like, I did you, you dope. I sent three. Yeah. But then in my work, I see, you know, and the reason I bring that up is I build marketing funnels for my clients and I offer marketing strategies. They have what they need either in me or laid out in front of them, but then comes the part of doing the work. Mm -hmm. So when I said I kicked myself in the butt, right now, actually what I'm praying for is just help staying focused because that is, I know that I have everything that I need. I am very blessed. I have great, you know, I have great accountability partners and supporters and resources and tools at my disposal. But my problem is myself and I get, I get off track. I see a squirrel, like the movie Up, you know, and I lose focus. So it's not that I don't think I can, because I know I can, but this year it's staying focused. And I know that with focus and with action, and I want to say that word again, action, that I will reach that six-figure year. Yeah. I will. And then it's also setting up the systems that will take me further, but I will not under any condition allow myself to slip back to where I was before. I really appreciate you sharing waking up with anxiety because I had a good year stretched of that as well. I would put my feet on the floor and immediately it would feel like vines of anxiety were climbing up my body and choking me. And I would come out to my desk and try to work, but I just didn't feel like I could breathe. So I would go back to bed and try to sleep it off, but then I would feel the guilt for not working. Right. And it was this, constant struggle within myself. At this point, I am the sole breadwinner of the house. Mm -hmm. My husband is a video game designer 
who just listeners, if you know of an awesome game developer like Coder, please like get in touch with me because that's he keeps on striking out in that department. Sorry for the tangent, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> yeah. He, he's got all the art, but that's another thing that entrepreneurs struggle with. What we don't know, sometimes we don't need to know. We just need to find the people who do know and will support us in that area. Sure. But yeah. as going, I'm circling all around on this. I told you I would do it. Going <laughs> back to the political and the the wealthy in entrepreneurship, I think it's painful to see the way that entrepreneurs, at least in my area, this might be countrywide, it might be worldwide, are viewed. Because my husband, he's a disabled veteran. He had to work for three years. He was a retail store manager. I mean, he had his degree in game design, but where are you going to take that unless you're in, you know, an area where you can go to an office, which we are not in Ohio. Sure. So he was a retail manager making $12 an hour. He had to keep that job for three years, despite all the pain that he experienced going there every day, because that's what the bank required for us to get a mortgage. They sure. would not look at my income as an entrepreneur because it was not a quote, real job. Yeah. Yeah. Been there and you gotta, you gotta do all sorts of interesting finagling, right? To jump through the hoops with that, with insurance, you know, it's like, if I worked for a company, I'd be great, get insurance. And if I was dirt poor, I could figure out a way to get it. But right now, if you're an entrepreneur, it's harder and you fall through the cracks and everything is designed to help either those people who are the paycheck getters, (laughs) if that makes sense, you know, the nine to five people or, or the poor, but entrepreneurs have to fight through. And the the interesting thing about entrepreneurs is we just, we do it. You know, that's our mindset. We do it. We don't complain about it and we just get it done probably because we're the only ones who could handle it. You know, it's like, how do you do that? How do you go not knowing where your paycheck is going to come? It's like, well, if we do it right, we know where our paycheck is going to come. Right. And entrepreneurs just get stuff done. You know, we don't have the luxury of sitting around for five hours a day worrying about things we can't control. We either make it happen or we don't eat or we make it happen or we don't achieve our vision of changing the world. And there's a lot of people who don't understand that, mostly people who are are programmed. You know, Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, talks about the programming we have throughout our lives that, you know, Today's schools, mainstream schools, prepare you to be a paycheck getter, not a paycheck provider. Yep. Patrick Bryant, who is, he, he's the kind of uber entrepreneur here in Charleston. I interviewed him recently and he, he talked about a stat he saw is like 80% of kids as they're going into college, before they go into college, think they're going to work for themselves, but only like 20% coming out, you know, because they're programmed in college that you go to college, you get these quote unquote skills, which aren't really skills. And it prepares you to go out, do your resume, send that and get it. Now that's changing. I mean, there's, there's alternatives to all of that. And I think, you know, in 10 years, it's going to be much different. Most of, you know, perhaps because the entire financial student loan financial bubble has burst mm-hmm. and, and forcibly changed the system. But when you look at people who are truly changing the world, it's entrepreneurs. Yep. It's people who are starting, you know, you may love Elon Musk, you may hate him. The guy's risked everything he had to change the world in certain ways. Steve Jobs, same thing. Mm-hmm. And if you want to look at non-business, you want to look at someone like Mother Teresa. She really was kind of an entrepreneur. Yeah, she was. She did it outside the church structure and she went and she built it. Mm-hmm. That's a form of entrepreneurship. Yep. You know, it's not the kind of middle level people, and I'm not saying they're bad people, and certain people are programmed to do that. But when we punish the wealthy, what we're real di- really doing, it's a form of self-hate. Because what happens if you struck it rich? What happens if, you know, you had an idea for a life-changing thing and suddenly, you know, you help a million people, you make a million dollars. You're going to hate yourself for that? Right. And I think the answer is yes. 
You got me Deep thinking down, about that squeegee thing that's on like the home shopping network, right. <laughs> the magic paper towel. Yeah. 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 Do you want to hear something crazy? And yeah. talking about education, well, two sides of this. I have an eighth grader who's getting ready to go into high school. And last night we were looking at the courses because he has to go in and, and select his courses with his guidance counselor and entrepreneurship is on there. So I was thrilled to see that, but I was looking over the, the list and just once by the time my now kindergartner gets up there, I want to see a, a mindset course. Mm, yeah. We need to be teaching our kids mindset. And actually just this morning I posted on Instagram a whole long monologue about that because I think it's severely lacking. I feel just even based on our short conversation already that you with your kids are probably already teaching mindset. I am doing my best to teach on mindset, but so many people aren't just because it's how it is. Doesn't mean it's how it is. Like we have the ability to change it, but then here's the funny thing. I have a junior, so he's receiving all these college mails and all this stuff that's targeted at high school students going into college. Apparently now there are full ride scholarships being offered for gaming. (laughs) You can go and represent a college as a gamer. It's interesting. An e-sport now. (laughs) Yeah. And I I was, I was cracking up. I mean, I talk about productivity and business systems and marketing systems all the time. I am all about setting up ways to be more productive, or maybe I should say get more done without having to be at your computer because I admittedly am a gamer. I mean, yeah, you know, I am, but I, I just had to laugh that, and I'm not against it. I just don't know that I'm not, or I just don't know that I'm for it at this point, offering scholarships on e-gaming. Listeners, I would actually love to know your opinion on that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that makes me think uh, someone recently told me that you know, Illinois, and I'm originally from Illinois. And, you know, Illinois is hundreds of billions of dollars in debt, mostly because of, well, not mostly, because of pensions of not only teachers at the, uh, you know, elementary and high school level, but also because of college pensions. And the interesting thing is, I mean, the amount of every dollar that goes toward these pensions and not actually doing what it's supposed to do, which is educating children. But you know the top paid, not just in the university system, but the top paid employee in the state of Illinois is? Lovey Smith, the football coach of the University of Illinois football team, which is, by the way, a horrible football team. But you look at most states, that's probably the same thing. And hey, I love college football as much as the next person, but it's become part of the programming in terms of, you know, when we decided to homeschool our kids, the first questions are, well, what about prom? What about those football games? What about the Friday night lights? What about all that? What about education? And that's not the first thing that comes to people's minds. By the way, even from people who hated high school, who didn't get asked to prom, who didn't play on the football team, who were bullied by the football players, now they want to live through their kids or grandkids or great-grandkids' lives. But it's not about education. But you see, that's why people will smoke cigarettes right into their grave. Mm -hmm. That's why people will keep voting a certain way, i.e., take like an Illinois, right into bankruptcy. That's why people will do any sorts of things because it's their subconscious that is, they're doing it without even knowing they're doing it. And that your scarcity mindset is programmed into you. That's your default. The only way, now the good news is you can reprogram, but it takes daily discipline, daily practice. It takes getting off of Facebook. It takes, and listen, I'm on social media, but I limit myself. I use something called the Freedom App that literally shuts down my computer and my phone and certain apps. On my cell phone, I don't have Facebook. I don't have LinkedIn. I don't have email. And people say, how do you do that? And the funny thing is people think it can't be done. And I know those people do not rely on online as much as I do to make money, but I still find a way to do it. And when you start controlling what enters your brain, Mm -hmm. thoughts 
fuel our emotions. Emotions are actually chemical reactions within us. If you think about someone you're really attracted to, obviously there's a chemical reaction. We won't get into that. If you think about past trauma, you feel that drop in your stomach, right? That's cortisol. That's coursing through your veins. If you constantly let garbage thoughts into your mind and that anxiety that you and I know about, that's causing a certain emotion that causes cortisol to course through your veins on a regular basis, your constant fight or flight mode, your emotions lead to actions and the actions lead to results. So if you're constantly having garbage thoughts in, you're going to have garbage results out. You got to change what you allow into your brain. That is the hardest work for people to do because they're programmed to keep picking up the phone, staring at the phone, looking at the phone. I'm going to watch MSNBC or Fox News for eight hours a day because that's what I've done for eight hours and that's what, or eight years in a row. And that's what I do. And when you start letting that into your brain, it corrodes you because you no longer are thinking for yourself. Your subconscious is controlling you. And when your subconscious is in charge, you're actually dumber because your conscious thinking is where you're smart and all that. Your subconscious, you're just a robot. And more and more, we're allowing ourselves, our children, everyone around us to be robots run by their subconscious, which is programmed with scarcity, anti-wealth, anti-money. And, you know, the more and more we do that, the more and more we're headed toward a future that doesn't look bright. Absolutely. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. So my accountability partner and I on this past week, were actually talking about phone usage and I didn't realize I had it on. <laughs> See, I am not tied to my smartphone yeah. and I have email on my iPhone for emergency purposes only. Yeah. You know, if the internet goes out at my house and I need to tell somebody I'm not going to make it, that that's why I have it there, but that's it. And People will Facebook message me. My husband will Facebook message me rather than text me. I'm like, do you not understand? I'm not in there. Mm. I'm not in there. And I turned on Facebook newsfeed eradicator so that when I go into Facebook, I have to be really intentional. Sure. If yeah. I want to see somebody's feed or go to a page, I have to go to their page. I see birthdays and I see a quote of the day and that's it. And then a whole bunch of people got offended because I unfollowed them on all the social media platforms that I'm on. Well, I didn't want to see your drama anymore. Yeah. I hide so many people mm -hmm. and I hide them because you know, if they're family, I don't want to start a, an incident, an international incident, but that's absolutely true. I mean, we've started not allowing certain movies in our house and people are like, oh, bad language and all that. It's like, I'm less concerned about some of the bad language than I am about, you know, that the programming that rich people are bad. Mm. And, and I'll have people quote the Bible. Well, God said it's hard. Jesus said it's hard for wealthy people to enter heaven. But then you really look at some of the translations. You know, the Bible we read today is actually through the lens of translators. Right. Some of whom were affiliated with the church. And if you look at, for instance, in the original Aramaic, the word sin doesn't mean evil. It means, quote, missing the mark. Well, that's an important distinction. Yep. And you start looking at words like prosperity or wealth as like blessed are the poor in spirit. And, you know, the way I've explained it, you know, you talk about mindset to my daughter. We recently left the Catholic Church because my daughter was coming home feeling guilty. They talked more about politics in her Sunday school than they did it actually about the Bible. Mm. 
she had a book that said, this is one of the last draws, that the word, without any context, that individualism is bad and it equals selfishness, to which I said, well, St. Peter was quite the individual, refused to denounce Christianity and Jesus, even though they crucified him upside down. If that's not individualism, I don't know what is. But I told my daughter, I said, here's the true sin. I said, if someone gives you a gift and we give you a gift and you either don't use it or you trash it in an ungrateful manner, that's, that's a really cruddy thing to do, right? And I, I truly think that when you talk about the wealth and the spirit, it goes back to belief. And when you've been endowed with these gifts, whether you believe in God, whether you believe in the universe, whether you believe in some sort of other consciousness, when you read the Tao, when you read Hindu scripture, I've read them all, they all agree on this fact that we were made in the likeness of either God or in the Tao. It's, yeah. it's part of us. When you look at it that way, and then heck, you even look at the first law of thermodynamics and the fact is we are energy. Mm-hmm. We're energy manifested, manifested as matter. And that energy can be neither created nor destroyed. That means that we are quantum creators. We're given these talents and you're given these gifts. Perhaps the greatest sin, if we want to give it a word, is to just ignore those and not use them. Because when we don't use them, what happens? We don't live up to our potential. We become toxic and corrosive. And that's not a victimless crime because then we're not contributing to the world. We are not contributing to our families. We are not contributing to the furtherance of society. And I would surmise that the people most likely to fall into that rut are the people who uh, money's not the only thing. And certainly when I made seven figures, I was not using my gifts to my utmost, <laughs> right? But if you crawl in the corner, you, you have a victim mentality. You say the rich are all to blame and I can't do anything. To me, that is a form of evil if, if we want to give it a name because that is the height of selfishness because you aren't giving the world the best that you have. And I don't say that to make you feel guilty or whoever's listening. I say that because instead of blaming everything on everyone else, realize that you were endowed with talents. They may not be the same talents I have. They may not be the same talents someone else has or someone else you you love. But instead of worrying about them, start digging in deep, start rejecting the notion that to do so is selfishness. Realize that what you're doing now is true selfishness and look and unlock the talents you were given and find out how you can put one foot in front of the other starting today to start unleashing those talents to be the best that you can be, but also to be the best that the world deserves from you. And that is a totally different mindset and teaching than you hear in churches, from politicians, from schools, from most parents, because it's uplifting. It doesn't start with the notion that you are unworthy that you are an evil sinner and you have to spend the rest of your life in guilt trying to fight your way out, (laughs) you know, because that, that notion doesn't help anyone quite honestly. Well, I know who it helps and it's not the people who really want to get where they're going. I feel like (laughs) when I'm listening to my own episodes, I roll my eyes at myself because I say it all the time. I am absolutely (laughs) loving this. (laughs) I don't say that in my, in my day to day talk. So it's just, it's a podcast thing, but I'm absolutely loving this. Last year, for the last few years, I've been reading a lot of Joel Osteen, Danny Johnson. Finally, it took me a whole year instead of 40 days to read the purpose driven life. Mm, And the theme across all of those was you are here for a purpose and you need to stop your comparing yourself to everybody else because you are you. And if you are not I mean, it, just like you, what you were saying, and I am coming from the Christian perspective and I'm not ashamed sure. to say it. Yep. I though am not associated with any organized Christian sect. Is that the right way of saying it? Yeah. My husband and I do God our own way. So, yep. And that's been, it's been more successful than any organized Christianity has ever done for us. But I get really 
frustrated when I hear people even talking about Joel Osteen as the prosperity preacher. Yes, the guy has made a lot of money, but he has done a lot of work to get there. I can't even imagine all the work that it takes to build a church the size that he has and to put all the people and the places and the structure together and then make sure that everybody who's in their role does their role. I mean, it's a, it's a business in a church. And then Danny Johnson, she talks about how, I mean, I think she's a high school dropout or she was, I can't remember right now. It's been a a year (laughs) since I read her book, but she's making, you know, seven figures, multiple seven figures a year. She says, you know, she lives off a portion of it and she calls it tithing, but she says, you know, she's not giving it back necessarily to her church. She's the one who I learned that just because I have my faith doesn't mean I need to give everything away or that I need to undervalue and undercharge for what I provide because the more I, the more good I do and the more I make, the more I can help others. So yeah. whether it's creating more podcasts like this, because I don't think, and you have a, you have a show. Yeah. I'd love to hear about that. And listeners, we're going to have a part two to this so that we can dive in deeper, but it's not cheap. It's not inexpensive at all to produce any type of online content. It takes time. It takes resources of all types. So the more I am able to make in my business, the more free content that I can create, which will help the people who can't necessarily pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel that is part of my purpose, my God-given purpose, because this is my talent or one of them. I can't cook like my husband, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I can't talk on stage without fumbling over my words. I have fun talking on stage, but I'm not the polished speaker. I'm not the tech genius or visionary that Elon Musk is. But I have my own talents and I love my talents. And I finally realized that I don't need to be comparing myself to everybody else. Kurt, there was one point that I thought I had to cut my hair off and dye it purple or dye it turquoise if I was going to get, if I was going to make my business bigger. There was a reason for that, but that's as far as I'll take it. (laughs) But the people that, the person that I was looking to as my measure of how well I was doing, had her hair cut really short, dyed it purple, was cussing all over social media, you know, and that's not me. Right. Right. Thankfully, my husband reminded me of that because I, in total frustration, I said, what am I supposed to do? Just cut my hair off and dye it turquoise? And he reminded me that I am yeah. me. You have to know who you are and be who you are. And a lot of people talk about the word authenticity and then they spend their time being authentically someone else. Like mm-hmm. you could tell they just watched a Gary Vee or a Grant Cardone video. And, you know, I've been known to swear and drop a few F-bombs during my speeches and my videos, but people who know me know that's me, <laughs> you know, and, right. and some people don't like that. Some people do. And if you don't like it, I respect your opinion but you're not going to like working with me. That authenticity, you know, when you talk about Joel Osteen and I don't know much about him, I know who he is, but I do know that people get fired up about him. And the interesting piece is that you look at, and again, I'm not going to get political, but you look at someone like a Bernie Sanders, right? Who wants to confiscate wealth, who's made millions from being what I would say is a preacher of anti-wealth, elected, but as a politician, multimillionaire now, doesn't like to talk about that, but he's a multimillionaire now. What's the difference between that and Joel Osteen? For the people, because most of the people who are slinging arrows at Joel Osteen Mm -hmm. would not think twice. And I think what it comes down to is tribalism. And, you know, we have to choose one side or the other. And, you know, we've talked about religion and and spirituality, which are two different things. And whether or not you choose to be part of a specific religion or find God in a different way. And when my wife and I decided the latter, we're Christian, we had, we were racked with such guilt and anxiety because we were told, oh my gosh, if you don't do that, If you don't go to church every Sunday, if you don't go to confession every week, if you don't put this much money in there, if you don't do this, that, and the other thing, which by the way, all are laws made up by humans, then you're going to hell. 
But it's the same way. When I decided to leave the two-party system, because I truly believe that they're different sides of the same scarcity coin, oh my gosh, how can you do that? The country's going to go to hell in a handbasket unless you show up and vote for who and who and who and who. Mm-hmm. And it is that tribalism, which is the strongest branding that there is, because if you don't vote Republican, the world will end. The country will cease to end. If you don't vote for Democrat, the, the, the world will cease to end. If you aren't Catholic or whatever the world, you're going to hell and you do this. And we, you know, a lot of people see the yin and the yang and they think it's opposites. It's good and it's bad. Actually, the yin and the yang is meant to be mixed Balance. up together. Yep. You know, you take some good with the bad. And often what we do is it's good and it's bad. And we are going to go so far in the good category that we are going to be intolerant of other people. Mm-hmm. If we go anywhere near the bad and anywhere near the black, we're in danger of falling into the abyss and dying to eternal damnation. And what that leads is to a life with no risk, a life in which we subsume any type of risk with guilt, with bad. And so we live this comfort zone life, and I call it a comfort zone of misery, where you're not happy, but we're not supposed to be happy. We were not born to be happy because we were born losers. Uh, Someone just posted on LinkedIn. I actually did a blog post about it today. And it was about the struggle, that we were born to struggle. And she said, nobody is born a winner. I disagree. Nobody's born a winner. So we're all born losers? Mm -hmm. That to me, but see, I don't blame her for writing that. That's she looking for she comments? No, she, she might have been. It's what I call struggle porn. Mm. There's several reasons we do it. One, we want to get the dopamine rush of likes and comments because it, it's martyr syndrome, right? Yep. If I post about how bad my day was, I'm going to feel better because everyone's going to rush in. Now, by the way, if you post about how great a day you had, you either get nothing or you get people ridiculing you for being privileged or otherwise, right? right? So, right. so you don't do that. Other people will do it because they think that's what you have to do. I'm not saying that at some point you have to sacrifice to get there, but it's not preordained. The struggle is not preordained. When I had my PR and ad agency, making money was easy to me. I felt guilty about that. I felt like, wow, I got a new client. I had a great year. That means this year is going to stuck because it's all going to balance out. It was that yin and yang in the back of my head. And when you get into that mindset, it is so damaging. It's so corrosive. It's so, that's where that resentment you asked about builds inside of you because it's like, wow, I've had it too easy. Something is wrong with me. And if you Mm -hmm. think you were born a loser and she put in her post, that's what her pastor told her. And, you know, none of us are born usually. It's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. You see adults come in to, they get baptized. Or they come into, you know, on Easter Sunday in the Catholic Church, adults would come in. They call it the Christian rite of initiation or what, rite of Christian initiation, right? Where adults get baptized. And you find that those people who come in know their stuff more than anyone else who's been a lifelong Catholic or Christian. If you ever talk to a recent immigrant who just went through the citizenship process. They know more about America than lifelong citizens. Right. Because why? Mm-hmm. Because we didn't choose it. Mm-hmm. We were born into it. And so there was no critical thinking to arrive at that. It was just programmed in. I brought this up with Randy Gage. I said, you know, the stats for so long were if your dad was a Republican, you're a Republican, just because you were programmed to do it. And he and Randy pointed out, he said, yeah, but the stats, are, you're also programmed if you're a Democrat simply because your dad was a Republican to get back and rebel. Mm. And so now you see these things where, I'll talk to people and some relatives who hate Trump. And I, listen, I get it. I understand it. He's, you know, as a, as, in terms of things he said and, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want my daughter to date him, right? People will look at that and immediately hate him and everything he stands for. But I recently saw a video where they were taking Trump's policies, but saying they were Bernie's and Bernie supporters were saying, love it. I love know, it. isn't that crazy? It's tribalism. Yeah. It's tribalism. It's the brand you put on it. You know, I know Republicans who have been lifelong free trade people who would never, who have never met a tariff that they like, who suddenly were for tariffs. Why? Well, because the head of my party is for a tariff. There was no critical thinking involved. Listen, if you've thought about it critically and you come to that decision, great. But 
there's a difference between that product sucks. Why do you love it? Because it's the brand that I've always had and I've used since I was. I remember falling into this trap. When I was coming up in high school, I ran track and cross country. My shoes would fall apart because I have wide feet, but they were Nikes. And Bo Jackson was Nike. And I had Nike posters on my wall. So no matter how much pain my foot is in, no matter how much the shoes are falling apart while I'm running, I got to wear Nikes because that's what it takes to be successful. I literally, this year, I was an Apple fanboy forever. I switched and I got a Surface. You know, I felt like something was wrong with me. Like I felt guilt. It's that programming and it's the branding and the programming that comes with tribalism, which Mm -hmm. can be a good thing, right? Yeah, but But it's so interesting how, you know, I know your book was talking about the freedom lifestyle from a different aspect, but freedom lifestyle impacts so many aspects of our life. And I know listeners, you are totally eating this up. I want to hear your comments at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP676. But Kurt, I'm going to have to ask you to come back for at least a part yeah, two, love to. probably sure. a part three too, because <laughs> there is so much more to, to discuss. And I feel bad like breaking us here, but I want to like get us immediately on the calendar for a part two. Yeah. In the meantime, besides the show notes, where can listeners go to find you online, connect and get to know more? Yeah. If you go, my name is, as we discussed, is a long one. So instead of going to my website address, go to fivepillarsoffreedom.com. It's a landing page for my book. You can get chapter one absolutely free, but it's also all the other links for the rest of my website are there where you can find out, well, by the time this airs, perhaps a number of events coming up, uh, you can grab my book. And, and find out uh, everything else. I'm, daily, I'm blogging daily now. So about many of the things we discussed today. Amazing. And listeners, again, go to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP676. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.